Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. I'm Tunde Ogunlana. We want to continue our discussion with minority mental health awareness. And we talked a lot about uh, the African-American uh, African community in an earlier episode. I want to focus particularly on Latino community and really what we see going on in the crisis on our borders. Uh, a manufactured crisis, by the way, I might say. But more than the crisis on the border, it's really a crisis of humanity. And as you see what just happened with uh, Jasmine Juarez, who actually was talking about her daughter and losing her daughter unnecessarily, losing her daughter due to neglect, due to what the United States has done, due to us not prioritizing human life. That's how I see it. And I really have, and I'm honored to have two guests here that can really talk a lot about both from the trauma perspective, which we want to talk about, but also from the legal perspective in seeking asylum, what that means, how it's actually fundamental to who we are in the United States of America, or at least it's supposed to be. Uh, but without any further ado, Dr. Maria Espinola, who is, a, who, who is a clinical psychologist and actually specializes in trauma, particularly dealing with uh, victims of human trafficking. And uh, Bert Lockwood, who is uh, a law professor at the University of Cincinnati, one of the best law schools. Of course, I went to it because I'm biased. Uh, he's also an expert in uh, human rights and international law. So it's an honor to have you both on the show. Thank you, Rob. So let, let, let's really, I want to open up the discussion, uh, uh, Dr. Espinola, to really talk about what, what, do you, what, what do you sense when you, what do you feel as you see what's going on in this country? Uh, and, and just what, what do you hear from people that you deal with? Because I know you talk to a lot of members of the Latino communities as well. What's their feeling like? What's their just general sense right now? I think it's very heartbreaking and very concerning what's going on. Um, since uh, the beginning of the Trump administration, about 23 people have died um, in ICE detention facilities. About 1,200 people have reported sexual assaults. Um, we saw what just happened with that baby uh, who died in detention. And these are people who are running away from danger and violent environments. So it's very tragic. Um, they are dealing with a lot of trauma. And people who are here um, are also experiencing and witnessing everything that is going on and how people are talking about this, yeah. right? Especially officials. Um, what does that do to them when they see representatives of this country? You know, it, it used to be, I think we've now gone towards the line and it's, this is not just dealing with, it has a lot to do with how we talk about uh, immigrants and Latinos in this country who are, not all, who are by the way, not all immigrants. But um, it's, it's also just this, this normalization of hating people and it being okay from a, from, a, from a position of politics and power to just say, you know, I don't like those people those people are all rapists or just, we just had the current occupant of the white house just actually say, tell four Congress members to go back to the country they're from when actually all just about all of them are from this country. Uh, and you know, even if they were from another country originally, the idea of America is that we don't belong to one race. It's a, it's all about an idea. Supposedly they were supposed to be pursuing, you know, uh, uh, doctor, uh, I would say, uh, you know, professor Lockwood, what, what is your take on, when you, when you think about how hard this administration has tried to prevent a legal process, you're talking about people that are seeking asylum, which I understand is part of who we are as Americans. Just talk about the basic principles of, of the rule of law and, 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 and how we're kind of toting the line of actually just violating it all, all together. 
Well, you know, part of our history, and I think our greatness, um, was that we were uh, one of the major supporters of refugees. Um, for years, we uh, funded over uh, 50% of the budget of the United Nations High Commissioner for uh, Refugees, and part of the uh, reputation around the world was uh, America was a place of uh, freedom. And we've seen just on the refugee uh, thing with the Trump administration that uh, he's reduced the numbers from uh, 100,000, 110,000 uh, uh, that the Obama administration had uh, admitted uh, down to 50,000 in 2018, now down to 30,000. Um, so from the refugee point of view, we have limited the number. What's taking place with respect to um, both at the southern border, but also toward uh, immigrants that are uh, living in this country um, uh, is tragic. I mean, I, in my, my own uh, human rights seminar um, this, this past semester, a wonderful student who's a DACA, and uh, she was making her presentation about uh, the DACA and uh, which is a deferred action. A lot of people that came yes. here, you know, younger yes. folks that whose parents uh, brought them here, not legally, but have been citizens here essentially um, all their life and have contributed greatly. Yeah. And, and she's, as I say, a, a wonderful student, but she broke down in tears, uh, basically being made to feel that she was less than human uh, uh, by this administration. Uh, I just came back from China and um, teaching in a, a human rights program there and uh, their students. I mean, the questions they were asking um, uh, when I was talking about the United States very much were, you know, how could the United States this be happening um, uh, with respect to, um, you know, what they had perceived uh, to, to be the United States. So this, this is hurt our image uh, around the world uh, uh, dramatically. And um, it's, it's just a real tragedy. Uh, uh, Dr. Espinola, how do you talk to students about this? Cause they're, I'm sure you know some DACA students. Uh, how do you talk to them and walk them through this? Cause it has to be very traumatic to not know one day if the, if you're going to get it, someone's going to come at your door to arrest you, to send you home to a country that you've, essentially haven't been to since you've maybe been three years old, can't even, may, may not be able to speak the language. How do you walk them through this? What, what, what is it like for them and that type of trauma that they're going through? I think it's, um, they live in fear. You know, it's a terrifying situation because being sent back really means death uh, for most of them. Um, from, you know, going back to the countries where they come from because of the, the level of violence that they will have to face if they go back. And what you said is right. I mean, they have grown up here and this is the only country they know and this is the country they love and they receive DACA um, because they were eligible for it. Right. Um, they are contributing to this country Absolutely. by studying, by getting into careers where they will be able to um, benefit the communities where they live in. James. And yeah, I mean, it should be added to that, that the fear is it's status based. It's not based on people committing crimes or being unlawful in some mm -hmm. way or being unbecoming of what we aspire to be as Americans. It's based on pure you are your, your status, your checkbox is this. So therefore, 
we're coming after you. I would imagine the, that that's very traumatic, you know, in terms of every day you wake up, you're trying to play by the rules. You're trying to do things the right way and, and improve yourself, improve your family's prospects. And someone's just going to potentially is going to show up at your door and say, you have to go somewhere. Like you said, that where you're, you're looking at death, you're looking at a lot of things that are not the type of thing you want to look forward to or that you want on your horizon. Mm -hmm. Um, the level of trauma that I, I actually, I, I wanted to think that that's intentional, you know, and that the, the having citizens in fear is something that is, um, that, that the current administration or the current political climate people want, um, is, I mean, is it, 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 is it as crazy as it seems in terms of what you see as far as like, just again, playing by the rules and, but yet, and still somebody can show up at your door. You guys are both an answer to that. Well, I, I would just like to add just to expand it a little. It's not only about their own personal, um, a thing, but their families. Right. I mean, yeah, they, right. they don't, they don't, you know, their families don't have the doctor status. I mean, the parents and you don't know if, uh, you know, they get pulled over for, uh, uh, driving too fast or something like that, whether or not that's going to lead to the deportation of, uh, yeah. of, of their parents. Um, and, uh, you know, ripping families uh, apart, um, so, I mean, it's yeah, a, you could go home and nobody's yeah. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And you can you look and just uh, absolve a, a myth that's put out there a lot. We know that uh, actually immigrants have a lower rate of crime than right. average American citizens. The, that fact doesn't seem to be getting through because you hear people say, well, we have to protect people. And it's because these people are committing crimes. All of that is just fear to get people to buy into the dehumanization of, of, of the people that are actually going through this. With that being said, how do we get people? So, because I know you deal, uh, 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 Dr. Espinola, you, you deal with trying to get people from all sides to see the humanity in this and why this is necessary, particularly with your work in sex trafficking, which is honestly related to a lot of the stuff we see going on now. How do you suggest that we can get, you know, Republicans and others who may be, uh, who may be sympathetic to some of the argument that, well, He's just trying to, or these folks are trying to keep our country safe. We can't have open borders. You know that. How do you reach out to those folks to make them understand just the basic humanity? Like Gerald Connolly said, we, I never thought we'd have a debate about whether we were going to protect children in the, in the United States of America. And we, they call them migrant children as if that makes them different from being children. They're still children. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I think the way that I explain dehumanization is this, is, um, so most people want to feel good about who they are and what they do. They want to feel like they are doing the right thing. So how they can explain that they are participating in horrifying acts against others, right? The way that they explain that is by stripping those people away of their humanity. So it's a very dangerous thing to do, dehumanizing others. Um, we... It happened during the genocide of the Native Americans. It happened during the slavery. It happened during the Holocaust. It happened during the Rwanda genocide. Um, and it's happening now with immigrants. Uh, it has been happening for, for a long time. Um, some statements that really stick with me, one was um, a representative from Kansas who said, like, it, was, it would be a good idea to exterminate Mexican, uh, Mexican immigrants like feral hawks. They're shooting them from helicopters. Um, Herman Cain, when he was campaigning for president, he said um, that he wanted an electric fence so people who try to cross the border will die in the process. Um, we saw, we heard the president just calling immigrants animals, 
now we see um, about 70 ICE Border Patrol agents being part of a closed Facebook group yeah. that is specifically dehumanizes, denigrates, attacks immigrants and anybody who protects them. The um, New York Times today had a, uh, a story that sort of was a Sophie's Choice uh, story of a um, Honduran family that came across and were detained by the uh, customs. It, they indicated that the three-and-a-half-year-old daughter had a heart condition. And so there was a doctor who examined her and said, yes, it was very serious, that she needed immediate hospitalization. And the customs agent said uh, uh, to her, uh, to the family, uh, that, well, specifically to the three-and-a-half-year-old girl, that she could stay with um, and her two uh, brothers, but that she had to make a choice between her mother or her father staying, and the other would be deported. Three-and-a-half years old. That's crazy. Um, a three-and-a-half-year-old has to decide their mother and, or father is going to stay with and, them. And so she was close to her mother. She said her mother, not realizing what was going to take place, and they started to take the father away. And the doctor uh, uh, protested, and uh, he um, stayed beyond uh, the hours um, and uh, insisted that the family had to stay together. And they, fortunately, in this situation, the customs people backed down. But, I mean, just the idea that you would present a three-and-a-half-year-old in that situation um, with a choice between which parent do you want to stay? I mean, it's um, the the level of inhumanity to, uh, is is. I fear that this is contagious because it's being led from the top. I agree. From the yeah. the, the president of the United States, that this attitude is um, uh, something that um, it's it's not something that. Um, I think I ever thought we would see in uh, the 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 Oval Office. I mean, just that's well, a brazen. Yeah. It, Go ahead. It's 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 a brazen abandoning of the principles of the country. Um, you know, the legal framework, the 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 whole all men are created equal. Um, oftentimes, I've said in the past that if we're going to build a wall, then we need to tear down the Statue of Liberty and use that to build it because mm-hmm. you can't have both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this is this is real right now. And as you said, the crisis has been created when the hate, when the dehumanization comes from the top, are there effective means in our system to be able to address that other than wait until the next election cycle? I mean, it's, are, are, is Congress letting us down here? What what do you see as far as opportunities to, to try to push back on this dehumanization from the top? Yeah. And particularly to add to that, the violation of the rule of law, because you, you, you've, I mean, we, we've, you haven't, we haven't discussed it, but we can get into that too. We know asylum is supposed to, is a legal process embedded in, embedded in law. But I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the way this administration is handling things, they're actually violating the law. Is that wrong? Well, they're violating the law that the U.S. Congress has passed. Correct. So I mean, we're not following even the, the, the U.S. law, uh, mm. uh, but that also uh, incorporates uh, some of the, the international law. Um, with respect to the remedy, um, I grew up in a Republican family in upstate New York, and um, I, I fear that the uh, 
Republican Party is not the party of my uh, my family uh, growing up mm-hmm. there, um, and uh, we don't have. Um, if uh, Obama had done uh, one of a thousand things that this president has done, there would have been calls for impeachment, and they um, would the impeachment hearings would always yeah. be drawn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, there would have been follow through. Yes, there would have been follow through. Exactly. The um, so it's pretty clear that the Senate is not going to, uh, you know, it's a two step process with the house Mm -hmm. indicting, which is possible, but the trial would be in the Senate and there's no way you're going to get two thirds of this Senate. So, Unfortunately, which is required it, to remove which from is office. To yeah. remove from but office. Just, but, just, just to follow up yeah. with that, because and then I want you to talk more yeah. about the the asylum law, because we have a constitutional law professor here, and I just uh, <laughs> we, we have to take this opportunity. Is there is there a is there is there a I would say a threat that not impeaching? We know you might not remove it from office, but then you never know what comes out when you actually have a concerted effort with things that are going on, is there a danger in setting the precedent that this can be done? And, and uh, are, are we in danger of actually just not having a, a rule of law? Because if you're not willing to enforce it or even try to enforce it, and this, this is what I say, even for the democratic side, cause I, I do believe you have to at least try, are we, can we see the rule of law diminish or not be with us? If this, if we, if we don't do something to take action, just my, just a question. I think we have to be uh, realistic with the election not that far away. Right. Um, there's no way that an impeachment process could go through in, in time. And frankly, for the 35 to 40% strong, enthusiastic support that right. uh, he has, um, the I'm not sure that they would accept the... Congress's judgment on impeachment. Right. I, I do think they will accept the political judgment if he is uh, defeated. What happens if he um, wins and keeps violating laws further? Then what? But it's, I mean, because that can happen. He's, he's, cross he's that, really, cross uh, that bridge when we can. Yeah. <laughs> he's destroying our country. So I, I, I still have faith in um, the American people. And um, mm-hmm. I think we saw some of this in the 2016. Right, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018 election, um, and uh, uh, I just think there are an awful lot of decent people uh, out there who um, are embarrassed by what is going on, and that uh, in the secret of the ballot box that they will uh, uh, cast their vote. And hmm. and frankly, I think that solution for the health of the country is probably uh, preferable than to. Uh, hmm. removing him um, and, and and for some making him into some kind of hero. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. What's your, what, 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 what are your thoughts on that in terms of what can be done? You don't have to say impeachment, but what can we do then to, is this, because it, it, it sounds like if I'm hearing from your point of view is like uh, uh, Professor Lockwood is just uh, elections need to speak in, that will speak volumes because Republicans will see it's not popular to dehumanize people and be racist. And, you know, I, I'm a little more skeptical. I wish I was, I, I just be in, you know, since we're both lawyers, it's just like, I, I am, I'm worried that people can 
say that they don't like what the president is doing, but they're okay with the economy and think he's not perfect and just justify and rationalize voting for him based upon this environment, not because it doesn't necessarily affect them directly. It's not, they don't see it as their kids there. Um, And, you know, so I do think there's a, there's a, there's an opportunity that he could win. And because of how the mind works, how do we get people to see the suffering? How do we get people to understand that these, your kids, our kids, like, like, like representative Connolly, it doesn't matter. We're Americans and we're supposed to care about kids. We're supposed to care about families. How, Cause you've have, you, you, you've been able to get Republicans to do some things. Uh, how do you have that conversation with, with folks that may not understand where you're coming from? How do you approach it to get them to understand this point of view? Cause I, I don't think legal reasoning works for them. I think it has to be some type of human effort. And how would you say we actually go about that? Yeah, I think raising awareness is extremely important. So having the conversation uh, with everybody, uh, because there's a lot of misinformation. So I spend a lot of time just reading comments from people. And uh, so people just um, speaking about the detainees, about illegal. So everybody as doing something illegal, doing something criminal, right. and not recognizing then seeking asylum is legal. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then even if it wasn't, uh, still, like, you do, these people do not deserve to die in detention. They do not deserve yes. to be sexually assaulted in detention. Exactly. So I think that um, informing people about what's going on and pointing out at the dehumanization that has been going on is extremely important. Well, I think you said that the language is really important yeah. about taking people like, and I'll get, I'll get to you, Professor Lockwood, making sure that people, we talk about this when we address criminal justice reform. You know, you don't, you, we try not to call people incarcerated. You say returning citizens, understand that these are people and that, you know, at the end of the day, even if they did some of these crimes, they're going to come back into society. We want to make sure that we see them as humans that, because none of us are perfect, Dr. Uh, uh, Professor Lockwood. Yeah, I, I lived through the um, uh, impeachment proceedings with uh, the Watergate, uh, and Mm -hmm. there were a number of Republicans that played a a key role. Yes. Um, When I I look at the um, Congress today in the the U.S. Senate, um, to me, the one senator who, uh, if he took a stand, a principal stand, and took on the president— could have the most influence is um, our local uh, senator. Yes, Rob Portman. Rob I agree. Portman. He's a mm. he's, he's a principled mm. conservative, and um, I think he speaks uh, with the support of lots of major corporations. I mean that that is sort of the business person's yes, uh, absolutely uh, 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 thing. And I think if uh, Senator Portman were to um, uh, take on this president, um, that that would go a long way toward, uh, emboldening some other, uh, Republicans that, uh, uh, well, he says all the right, look, look, he says all the right things behind closed doors. <clears throat> I, I know him well. And you know, the problem is you're a public figure, right? And we eventually need him to say it because it's silence is acceptance in some ways. Like, and he, we do, I think we do need some Republicans like that to step up. And I hope that they do that soon because, but I, I do think this has been a transactional thing. You talk to Republicans that if you have a relationship with any of them, I have a relationship with a lot of Republicans, they all tell me behind the scenes that, you know, uh, we don't like everything he's doing and this and that. But to me, and 
I tell some of my friends, well, you got to say that out loud. It's, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't, you can say all you want to, but yeah. the fact is they think it, he, he thinks he's doing great because you, you're still voting for him. He's still in power and kids are still dying. Women, people are still being raped and he's still saying racist things. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, there, there are many smart people. Um, you know, I've read this in many places that, that think that if Fox news was around in the seventies, that Nixon would have never gotten impeached or, or the yep. threat to remove off, remove from office wouldn't have made it. I did have one question, uh, for Dr. Espinola, um, from the victim side or from the side of, of Hispanics and that witnessed this, um, the, the the trauma oftentimes with african americans we speak of the trauma the 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 residual trauma from jim crow and well then you go back to slavery but jim crow being more recently and then also just the police shootings that you see now um how does that affect various aspects of the the, the latino community um and and their ability and willingness to engage in our process and our political process mm-hmm Yeah, that's a really important question. So I specialize on diversity. So I see people from all marginalized communities. um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of them come to me because they have been traumatized. They have been the... They're victims of specific actions. Mm -hmm. Others um, have not been specifically targeted directly, but they have been... um, just been suffering in silence while watching what is going on, right? right? right. To their families, to their friends. And it's, um, and this happening with like every marginalized communities for sure. different mm-hmm. reasons. But um, a common conversation that I have in therapy is about this. It's about like, I am seeing on TV how they are doing this to people who look like me, who, to my group. Um, mm-hmm. And this is how the majority of the country seems to be feeling because nobody's being held accountable exactly. for it, right? So it's not just the people who are committing the acts, um, but it's the ones who are not, you know, it's just everybody else who's not doing anything right. to mm-hmm. change it. Tunde, did you have something to say? If you did, yeah, you did. I mean, I got a page full of notes already, so just go, just um, go, hit it. But no, no, on this one, no, I got a th- few things from earlier comments that I'd like to circle back to, though. Okay, go ahead. No, oh, no. So one of them was um, just things that struck out when you talked about the poor child that was three and a half that had to pick between her mom and dad. This, this is something I worried about two years ago when they started talking about this, you know, kind of this whole thing at the border. Um, I can I can appreciate that there might be some things that I might not agree with that come from an administration, but I can acknowledge if they're done well and, and meaning done like in an orderly fashion. So, for example, I didn't agree with going to war in Iraq. Right. But it seemed looking back, going into going into the war, the Bush administration was organized. Bush and Cheney had a message. They spent two years since 2001 to 2003 preparing for this, so on and so forth. Well, I think that. What it reminded me when you mentioned about that that young girl having a pick between her parents and and the um, and the um, customs and border patrol agent that that had her do that, to me that really struck as a lack of leadership from the top. As we've been talking about, a lot of this comes from the top, right? The fish kind of rots from the head. So it's another sign of this dysfunction in the leadership that these policies are just kind of you know uh, leadership by tweet. They're just put out there. There's, you know, the heads of these agencies aren't even really aware when these decisions are made. Well, Tunde, can I, can, can I say something it, really quick? I, I do yeah. think it's not 
just a lack of leadership. I think that's intentional. Like I, I do think the culture yeah, I mean, he's, he's creating and, is he wants to dehumanize people and he's empowering these agents of like almost 10,000 agents to have this Facebook page where they, they feel emboldened to talk about yeah. people in, de- in, in dehumanizing yeah. ways. I actually think, so I, I just want to say it's, it's intentional. I'm, I think I'm it's not going to go and say, I know what's in people's head about whether they want chaos or not. Right. Um, I think, you know, the evidence. Well, I think he's trying to, to create it. That's what I'm saying. He's creating those conditions on purpose. That's all. No, but I'm just getting to the straight point on the ground that the, the, the victims here are everyone on the ground. Meaning yes. of course the, 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 the immigrants and the people that are looking for asylum, but it's also like the, the customer patrol uh, agents and the ICE agents they weren't properly like trained on how to deal with this either. So every, so it's just a mess in general. And to your point, Rob, you've got 10,000 people that were working one day and basically the next, or they were working one way. And literally the next day they're just told, well, now you're doing this. And so like, from my understanding, those, um, a lot of those facilities that they've been hoarding these people into, um, really are designed to hold adults for 72 hours and that's it. So they were never actually really designed to hold families and to have all this medical stuff. So I'm not, I'm not saying right. that's the well, and and, um, and just and, 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 and um, I'll just just very quickly, and I also just yeah. want to say that it's also intentional because we know that there's a lot of for-profit prisons, a lot of people that are making a lot of money off of the dehumanization of people. So you can spend less resources on people and profit from it, and you can lock people in. So no, this is some of this I'm is not intentional. Disagreeing with that's all I'm what saying. I'm saying is. I disagree with what they're doing, but they could have still had an orderly process where all these prisons made their money, all that stuff. I'm right. just saying he just they have to didn't care have enough. to treat people like this. Exactly. That's all I'm saying of comparing it to the Iraq war. Well, no, I no, I think you're overlooking something. The dehumanization is necessary in order to do this in this way. You, if you don't dehumanize them, then people won't, people won't oh, stand course. for yeah, you know, treating course. people like this. Mm-hmm. And so it's only people like us that are looking around saying, hold on these are human beings you can't treat people like that well to the people that are supporting this they're not see, they're not doing that step they're not saying all oh, these are human beings because the messaging is to try to dehumanize listen i understand 100% you know how many people that i know personally that i consider friends that have supported this administration and their number one hot buttons are things like child um you know sex trafficking you know anti pedophilia you know all the stuff that most of us um would assume are bad things but yet, to your point, there's 4,000 um, kids that the government has said they can't find for the next two years. I'm going to assume, unfortunately, that some of those kids are going to end up being trafficked for negative things just because mm-hmm. of the fact of, you know, it's it, they're, And, and you've probably found. seen that, Dr. Mm-hmm. Spinola, right? I mean, how do you treat victims? Like, first of all, one, is our broken immigration system, is it causing more victims of sexual violence? My guess would be yes. Mm-hmm. Two, what, I know you do work in this. Talk a little bit about that. And then I want to uh, talk to Professor Lockwood about asylum and about the fact of what's legal and what the process is not being followed right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> traffickers, what they seek out is just people who are extremely vulnerable. So usually children, um, adolescents, uh, women who live in poverty, uh, people who no one really cares about. So usually runaway teenagers, usually. Um, And then when it comes to immigrants, they're extremely vulnerable, oftentimes because besides poverty and the language issues, it's just no one is being held accountable for what is going on to them. 
so it is very, it's a very scary time for immigrants out there because a lot of people who have been uh, victimized are afraid to come forward. Yeah, because they're, they're, they'll just probably just be locked up in, in yeah. a prison where they get to be victimized again. That's probably their view. Mm-hmm. Well, I we've mean, heard that. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when congressmen and women visited these facilities, they were afraid to speak about what was happening to them in the facilities. Right. Yes. What do you say to people when they, when they tell you that? What is your advice then? Because I'm sure they talk to you. What do you say? Well, I think that um, a really important thing for everybody who feels strongly about this is to speak up. So public opinion is very powerful. Uh, so we have seen how public opinion has you know, changed the course of certain uh, decisions that have come um, from the president and others. Uh, so I think I'm still hopeful that if we keep raising awareness, um, that there will be enough pressure put on them to make a change. Yes. Uh, uh, Professor Lockwood, I want to talk about asylum. So we, we know a lot of people that are coming here seeking asylum, Guatemala, for example, and some of the other countries, they're going through extreme violence, gang violence. They're under a lot of threat of, as you said, you know, being exploited, being trafficked, being trafficked. Um, and those are a lot of the people that are coming here. That is a legal process in the United States of America that this administration, from my understanding, is trying to change. Is, is that is that wrong? Is my, was my description wrong or could it be better described? Well, let, let, let me um, sort of give the, the, the framework. Okay, um, please. Because I think it's a little more uh, complicated. Uh, the international standard is um, that we are a party to the, the treaty that incorporates this is for individuals that have a well-founded fear of persecution for mm-hmm. political, religion, um, race, a, a number of grounds. Um, it doesn't include people that are seeking to come simply for economic opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, our people have regularly commented over the years and not uh, simply in this administration that uh, our immigration system needs to be fixed and that it it hasn't been um, uh, working. Um, we have a system where we have lots of immigrants that have come here for um, economic reasons sure. and that are paying taxes. And I mean, we may well not have a uh, farming industry. Um, and in Iowa, I know there are factories with the, the jobs of uh, cutting up hogs and things like that, that regular Americans uh, don't want to fill. President Trump uh, used a number for his golf courses. Probably uh, still is using, uh, but uh, go ahead. For for a number of those and um, uh, and clearly knew that they were uh, uh, illegal uh, migrants. And they have made a a home here. So we've, we've sort of lived with this hypocrisy, if you will, of um, benefiting from the, the labor that uh, the uh, immigrants, um, uh, quote, illegal immigrants have uh, uh, engaged in and made lives here. Um, the Congress, in terms of the law, um, has mandated that individuals that 
come to the United States and are claiming asylum are entitled to uh, a process to yes. mm-hmm. probably 75% of those that claim that will be denied. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they are entitled to a process and the president has cut back um, on uh, beginning with Jeff Sessions on the definition of whom we consider um, uh, to be a political refugee. And so right. mm-hmm. there, you mentioned the Guatemala and the, the gang violence uh, uh, there. Um, the, they cut back um, on the definition to have it just be basically political um, uh, asylum, that, right. that they're no longer going to uh, uh, do that expansion. Um, but so that now with the latest action that the president has taken, which is just yesterday. What's that? Uh, he has announced that um, anyone who is going to come to our border from uh, 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 a uh, that has passed through uh, through another country through yeah. another country mm-hmm. needs to first seek asylum in the other country. That basically means that on the southern border, that you're basically talking only about Mexicans would be able to seek asylum. Those coming from Central America that pass through Mexico under um, this uh, new policy that the president has, um, they would not be entitled to um, uh, the process that the Congress has set up. The ACLU has immediately gone into court. Um, I'm sanguine that the judiciary will probably block this attempt, but, you know, the the administration basically wants to close the borders. Yeah. Um, and it's a little ironic. I mean, the president is married to an immigrant. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, her family followed her afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but there seems to be no sympathy for... Um, no, people don't... Well, he's been, he's been pretty explicit, though, that he's only... He wants more immigrants from Europe. You know, he, yeah. he's, he's said this, you know, that he's... he's well, Norway, um, Norway, anyway. Correct, <laughs> <laughs> uh, correct. I was teaching with a Norwegian professor and... Uh, doesn't seem that there are going to be a lot of Norwegians that are seeking no. to come to, <laughs> what well, is their to view? Trump's America. That's interesting. What is their view since you've been over, you just, like you said, you just returned overseas, you're in China. I'm curious to hear the view of, we, we have our own view. What's the outside view of America right now? I'm afraid to ask, but we'll probably won't be surprised. Well, I mean, he's, he's attacked all our allies. I mean, he's destroying the uh, liberal order that was built up following World War II. Um, and he seems most comfortable with uh, uh, murderers and uh, tyrants. Yeah, he's good uh, with Russia and Putin. The Philippines, uh, Korea, Putin. Um, and, uh, you know, he seems to be envious of them that uh, they seem to be able to. Uh, but what do they say to you with, when you're American? Like, what, is, what, is, what, what do people say? Like, what do they say? I'm just curious, like an average conversation or just thought process of your students, your co-professor. Well, I. I'll tell you one thing that uh, the, uh, the the other side that was sort of uh, uh, 
I, I talked on uh, women's rights uh, in in one of the uh, the the lectures, and afterwards, uh, one of the young Chinese woman came up and uh, said to me, you know, and uh, for female law students in China, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is our, our hero. And I thought, wow. you know, that image of America. I mean, oh, that's good. You know, that that, that was good. Um, they probably like ALC and all the other people, too. <laughs> <laughs> they probably think. I, well, that's know, the tragedy, though, know, right? as far as our, our loss of leadership Absolutely. In, in, in across the world. Yeah, yeah. That no, is a tragedy. I, yeah. Now, the Europeans have problems of their own uh, oh, sure. now with uh, the immigrants and uh, well, it's been a popular uh, like this is thing, not so. this is not unique to America. We've seen a return to uh, xenophobia. It's been, I mean, Brexit. Everybody, everybody has been embracing this one way or another, and we've seen a global phenomenon around this. So this is not isolated to the United States of America, though. I think we have we seem to have the leader of it right now, though. But well, <clears throat> but whenever you see the the massive consolidation of wealth yep. um, in, in in the in our societies, you know, the in European societies or or in American society, when that wealth consolidates, this is almost a, a natural reaction from that because everybody looks around and where's where's all the money and they, it must be with the poor people, people of color. Point, yeah, okay. Point at other poor people and say, well, let, me, let me jump in there too, because I think part of it, besides the disparity of wealth, is also the migratory patterns of the last decade. Remember, you had the, the hornet's nest in the Middle East between Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, you know, that, that caused a lot of displacement of people and they fled to Europe. And you also had issues in Libya and North Africa that caused the same thing. And then I think more recently here, you know, we, we haven't, I'm not saying we here in this discussion, but I think our media and kind of just the, the conversation hasn't tied that dot over to Venezuela and that we've had a hornet's nest in our backyard in Venezuela and also in a lower um, you know, way, I would say Honduras, El Salvador or some other countries. So I think the recent instability in both regions, South America, as well as the Middle East, has caused a migration pattern out of those areas that our societies, meaning the United States or Western Europe, has not been used to. And it's yeah. caused a lot of the quote unquote others to show up at the doorsteps. And there's a lot of people in those societies, meaning here in America and in Western Europe, that aren't used to this and aren't comfortable with it. And unfortunately, to you guys' point, we now have strong men in power around the world that are using that to drive further wedges. And before I get off, I'll just leave us with this. It's no coincidence, too, that one country is benefiting that is helping to stir the chaos, and that is Russia. Yeah. We know that the support for the leader in Syria, and we know that there is support for Maduro in Venezuela, and we now have a naval base with two nuclear bombers in Venezuela, the first time that Russia's had a military present on an American continent since 1962. So I'm with you guys about being worried about where the world order is going, because if you look at it from that standpoint in our lifetimes you know at least us hosting the show we've never seen this yeah not well, I'll, I'll say this putin couldn't draw it up any better in terms of having the united states start messing up his out messing up nato and and destroying the 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 yep. solidarity that you have there like he couldn't draw it up any better in terms of to serve russian interests so well, i mean we're definitely yep. supporting that now you know to, to make russia more uh prominent yeah as we talked about on the show we have they they do a good job of that go ahead Dr. Lightwood. Yeah. Russell Lightwood. We, we've, been, we've been through as difficult times in this country uh, before, mm -hmm. and we've had 
fortunately, leadership to take. I mean, we, we said in our 40, lifetime, we're well, a little younger. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you know, we we had like forty percent unemployment during the the, the yeah. Great de, yes. de, Depression. Um, Hitler and the overtaking of, of Europe and uh, was was clearly um, uh, a tremendous threat again that the U.S. late mm-hmm. getting into the war, but you know, played a a critical uh, uh, role in uh, defeating um, uh, Hitler and then creating this new absolutely world order um, and. The world needs American leadership. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the it's it's clear from you asked about the Europeans' point of view, um, right? That they recognize that the United States is the one country that can have a positive influence in terms of the world order and 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 saving mm-hmm. liberal uh, democracies um, and. You know, unfortunately, we are forfeiting that uh, leadership, um, yeah. and and it's to the detriment of the world. I mean, it's not just uh, uh, this this country, and uh, there's there's a grave concern. Um, clearly, they're hoping that this is a a fluke. Um, so are we? Yeah, but <laughs> but I, but you know, I don't. That we know that. We can't say it's a complete fluke because we know there's a strong part of the American DNA that's in here too. So I, I, uh, I recall Governor Deval Patrick. We've we've we said this quote a lot on this show. He said, "You know, American. It's both American to use fear and division, but also to have hope and, and to bring people together. Both are American. Only one is patriotic. And you know, we go through that tension in this country, deciding which way we want to go. And it's always it's always a close call. Like." <clears throat> It wasn't. It, it wasn't like when when civil rights passed and everything. It, it passed like ninety five to five in the Senate. It it didn't work that way. It was a, we know it was a long fight. It was very hard to get. Nearly every single uh, branch of the government had to be on board. I mean, this is you know America has been right a lot and it's been wrong a lot too. And it just depended upon where where leadership is, how engaged the public was. That's why public sentiment is everything, as you say, and why we have to stay engaged. And I I am still hopeful of people. My fear is the indifference. My fear is the indifference of people just accepting this as normal. Not only people that may be Republican and support the president, but also people that, you know, may feel like they don't have any power. That's really, that's actually my, my larger concern. Cause if people mm-hmm. got out, were engaged and, and participated, you know, we say it all the time on the show, eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And unless people are vigilant, involved and, and, and not indifferent, this can be normal. Like I, I don't want people well, to think this. This can be normal because it could be. Let, let 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 me indicate that in some ways we're fortunate um, mm-hmm. that he's not competent. Um, <laughs> that's what I've been saying for a long time. Yeah, we're lucky as him. <laughs> that's one of your lines too. And, uh, and that he tweets. I mean, yeah. we we know what he's thinking. Yes, true. Yeah. If if, yeah. if you had someone who um, was more secretive and competent. Uh, would a competent be, we, racist, we'd, we'd be in real trouble. We'd be in real trouble. So, But that's my fear, right? And that's, and that's the point of what I'm saying is like, this could be someone who can say, I can do what he did, but I'll just do this differently. And w- what I'm saying is we, all of us collectively, has to take this, all of this, throw it in an abyss and make sure it never resurrects. 
And I don't know how we do that. The people. I mean, the people. It requires the people. To, the people yeah. have to, to reject it, yeah. which goes to your point earlier as far as the, the ballot box. Yep. Well, and and the other thing I would say is it is imperative that we keep up the vigilance and the the pressure. I mean, the the guy is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, he is and, exhausting, and and it's it's difficult to go through the daily crisis virtually that uh, uh, he is he is spinning. But um, good people need to stand up, uh, and it's you know for the the sake of the country, but also for the sake of the world. So anybody here, we're going to have links to the show. Uh, we will have the number to call Senator Rob Portman. Everybody, everybody should call him because if he can help move this, particularly how people are being treated, he should speak up and we need him to speak up. You can call him to say, you know, we want to make sure this stops happening to children. What are you doing about it? Call him. I've found as a person who's, who's ran for office, I know politicians really well. They, they say they like getting calls. They hate it. So call them because it puts pressure <laughs> on them. <laughs> call them, call them, call them. We're going to put his number up to call them and we, we, we can probably find a link wherever you are across the country. Uh, there's a link for who your congressperson is. We'll put that in the show. Call your congressperson. Uh, Dr. Espinola, I did have a question I wanted to ask you. Um, when the rhetoric from leadership in, in a country is, is so hostile to certain groups of people, do you, how do you see that affecting people you know, on an individual level and even on a, on a, on a broader level, groups of people? Do, do you see that as something that really affects either their day-to-day or their engagement in the country and things like that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of people report feeling bullied um, by the statements being made wow. by politicians and people in government and people who comment online. And so it's just, it certainly impacts public opinion. Yeah, so it's very detrimental. So a lot of people report feeling like they're being bullied, basically, being mm, harassed, wow. attacked on a regular basis. And so it causes several issues. So one is on the part of people who identified as belonging to the group, right? So it's just they are feeling victimized and harassed mm-hmm. by this. Um, to other people, to other groups of people, this serves as a way to, um, it's almost um, giving them permission to mm-hmm. act on harassing wow. behavior. Like those guards. In violent behavior. Uh, so so that's why I think you see Border Patrol officers feeling so uh, free mm-hmm. to make the statements that they were making in this, in this group, including the chief of the Border Patrol. Yeah. She was part of that group. Um, so they are given, so they, in, in my, the way it works, I feel is that they are, they feel like they have the permission from the president mm-hmm. and everyone else to act in the way they act. And then you see a lot of other people who are hearing all of this and saying like, why should I care? Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. if the leadership doesn't, why should I? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So it's like a license to antisocial behavior for yes. people. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's 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 terrible. I, I, that's I just terrible. remember. Uh, so right when this president won the election, um, you know, there were there were there were two. There, I talked to a professor at UC, and her kids attend a mostly white school, but there was one Mexican student that was there. And when the school, when children, we're talking about, I think these were like, I think they were like in fourth grade. They uh, they all got on and the Mexican student got on the bus and everyone is yanting build the wall. We're talking about elementary students that are mm-hmm. already adopting this. So, you know, and they're, they're mimicking what their, 
what their parents are doing, which is the which is really the threat that this current environment has, that this is going to metastasize even further and normalize the dehumanization and normalize the hate, normalize the racism. It's why it's so important that, you know, we, we fight. Anti, we fight you got to call it, it's antisocial. It's, yep. it's, you can't get along with other people, you know, it, yep. it's, it's the antisocial behavior is being normalized. No, I was going to say, but it goes back to your point about dehumanization. Remember, we're, we're talking from our perspective where we see everyone, no matter who they are as a fellow human. There's some people that don't see these you know, other people as humans. So they are in their mind, they're not necessarily antisocial. Right. <laughs> they're just exactly. they just um, are, are kind of protecting their I own. Mean, uh, that's 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 nonsense, man. In yeah. a rapist mind, he's a he's you know, a, a ladies man. Like it doesn't matter what they feel <laughs> like. It's what they're doing. It's what they are. No, I get it. I'm just saying that they don't they may not look at other human beings the same way we do is my point so they 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 won't look at themselves as being antisocial necessarily that doesn't mean i'm not going to call them antisocial i'm not saying you shouldn't i'm just making the point that they, that's partially why it's hard to um to either reason or or get them to see the point and it goes back to also history because there's been some great points made and rob i think you make a great point about the the school bus incident cuz it reminds me of when I've seen old black and white footage from the like the late 60s, early 70s of when they started the busing programs. And you would see little white kids in the elementary schools beating up the black kids and the parents standing there watching it. And I think going back to the professor's comments, um, and I don't mean to call out any ageism here, but you're the only one out of all of us here, sir, that actually lived through the civil rights and kind of a period of time when this country had some struggles, um, much different than the, the rest of us here in the show um, have seen in our lifetime. So I think this is also a reminder for the younger generation like us that, to Rob's point earlier, this can become normal if we don't work at keeping a society that does have the respect for social norms and boundaries. And, and, and look, look, there's, this is, call it antisocial, call it racism. I don't know what you want to call it. The point is, this is, this is, this is an environment where we're, we're we're normalizing treating other people as subhuman, and that is that is being where people people I think before used to at least say dog whistles. Now they're just using bullhorns and normalizing this, and it's part of the threat I think of you know there's obviously more and more minorities in the country, and we know that it's going to be a majority minority country, I guess if that's even the term, uh, soon. And that's really, I think using that fear one way or another has been, is, is, that's, what, that's, that's what this current administration is doing. That's what people are doing. They're using the fear of, 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 of whites having a different position, which I don't even think that's necessarily true. They just see that fear as if someone else is advancing, something must be, I must, something must be getting taken from me. And that's, we know that's not American, uh, well, it is America. Sometimes it's not patriotic, we should say, because the most patriotic thing you can do is to protest and also work on behalf of everybody and expand rights and opportunities. Did you, uh, Professor Lockwood, did you have something to say? Yeah, I, I wanted to say, and I think it perhaps comp complicates it a little. Um, my sense is that the president has no values, that it's it really is all about Donald Trump, that mm -hmm. that. You know, to be able to dominate the news, whether it's good or bad, for him, that's... That's probably true. That's that's good. 
I mean, as long as he yeah. is the center of attention, um, you know, whether it's going to the DMC in, in Korea to shake hands with the North Korean, I mean, that mm-hmm. he sees that not as a peace process, but as a TV, a TV moment. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, glor- uh, it's a glorification yeah. of himself. Yeah. 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 And, and I think in some ways it makes it more dangerous. I agree. Um, oh, yeah. Where you don't have some, someone's acting from a particular value system where you perhaps can appeal to, right. you know, um, uh, some kind of But he's one person. The problem is the rest of the Republican yeah. Party that won't well, stand but, up to it. But if you look at what he says, you can see that that is true. Yep. He recently, just the other day, said he wouldn't apologize for some vile stuff because some people agree with him. And that if you you think about what that means, that's just saying, hey, you know, if if there are other people that think bad stuff, then there's no need to apologize for it. I could say bad stuff as long as there's other people that agree, then it's it's just fine. And so but what that means to him is that people have congratulated people have patted him on the back for saying that stuff. And that's what he's really in it for. Yeah, he's say anything if it'll just get him, you know, the people pat him on the back for it and tell him how great he is. How do we how do we get people like I want to I never like leaving people without having something for them to be called to do. Obviously, they can call their congressperson. We're going to create a link for that. Uh, what else can they do? Where is there any other organizations people can look up? What can they do to make sure that they can get involved? Yeah, so personally at UC, we are working uh, to create a fund um, specifically to... Which we didn't say, you're at the University of Cincinnati University Medical Center. University of Cincinnati, yes. right. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it will be through the UC Foundation, uh, but we are working to create a fund for immigrants and refugees, asylum seekers, um, specifically to expand our ability to... There is a specific evaluations that they need to complete in order to um, submit their their claims. So this is what I, we're trying to do, and then also providing mental health care to victims of trauma. Yes, yes. Is there any uh, resources they can go to? Where where where, where can they get uh, mm-hmm. health care for for or, or trauma trauma care? Is there is there a site? Is there? Yes, I can give you a link uh, with more information. Okay, we'll mm-hmm. do that. We'll do that later. Professor Lockwood, any 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 advice about what people need to do to to try to change this change these outcomes here? Speak up, speak up, speak up, and do your part. Look, uh, we say it often: eternal vigilance, the price of freedom. Stay woke if you want to stay free. I'm Rob Richardson. I'm James Keys. I'm Tundere Gomana. We'll see you next time.